Hi, I'm Oakley Jennings Fast. And I'm Sarah Fuentes. Welcome to What the Hell Do I Do With This? This is the podcast about circular economy, the life cycle of stuff, and where you fit into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of What the Hell Do I Do With This? Today's episode is about food waste and compost. We're doing this mini series about food. So let's talk about food waste. To me, I think this is amazing because food is already naturally circular. It already naturally is circular economy because it degrades and turns into soil. And somehow humans have screwed that all up and made this a linear process by throwing food into the landfill. The reason why throwing food in the landfill is so much worse than composting it is because in the landfill, there's no oxygen for that food to break down. So it's called anaerobic or without oxygen breakdown. And that releases methane, which is 24 to 84 times more potent, depending on the timeline, than carbon dioxide. So it's releasing so much more potent greenhouse gases. And we waste so much food, it's incredible. In the US, 40% of food produced never gets eaten. That's like leaving two out of five bags that you bought from the grocery store in the parking lot. That amount of food could feed 1.8 million people. I can go on and on, but food waste and compost in general is just such an exciting topic and we could do so much better. So you've seen compost. Tell me more about how this process works and why it's so important. Just give me your spiel on compost. Well, there's a couple, I look at compost as two things. There's, you know, your backyard compost pile, right? That some Mm -hmm. of us gardeners do and we utilize to make our gardens have more nutrients in the soil. And then we have the commercial composting process, which you've mentioned right now, which is the anaerobic process. And the compost is aerobic. Yeah, aerobic. Well, in the commercial setting, we call it anaerobic process, right? Where the optimal temperature for a compost pile is between 135 to 160 degrees Fahrenheit. And this is because anything above 160 degrees, it starts to decompose. And we're not able to have the organisms that are there that we need to have in the soil. And so this is something that's ideal. So the anaerobic process keeps it within that range, okay, for the commercial sector and breaking down the food waste or the compostable material. Now let's talk about what is compostable material and what that means. Anything that was once alive, anything that is organic, So we talk about trees, right? That is once alive. So we make paper plates, paper products. We also talked about in one of our other episodes about the soy base or type of of compostable materials that we use in takeaway products, whether it's corn or starch-based products. Those are organic process uh, materials that can go into a compost program or a commercial compost program. So, you know, composting has to do mostly around organic material, anything that was once alive, that has an end of life, but also has the ability to decompose. Right, exactly. And one thing that I learned from you is that there are different, comp- even, even if you do have curbside compost, they accept different things. Correct. So it's important to find out what your compost stream uh, accepts. So in um, the Silicon Valley here, we have franchise haulers 
and the franchise haulers in the different cities have different organic programs or compost programs and it can exclude or include a lot of things so um, i'll just give an example of a program where it's food scrap only this is based on where i live so i live in the city of Melpitas. i'm a resident here and we have a food scrap program well that means only food can go into my receptacle no organic material meaning no napkins no paper plates, none of those biodegradable forks, knives, and spoons made out of starches or corn, mm-hmm. right? Those are what we would say contaminants in the food scrap program. Oh my God, that blew okay. my mind. I didn't realize that not every compost accepts everything. Correct. And, and also they might not accept bones or meat or other difficult to compost things. So it's important to talk to, talk to whoever your provider is to figure out if they do accept these things. You know, meats and bones are acceptable. You know, mm. they can they can be broken down, they can be grinded, they can be used in a compost or organics program. Organics program or compost program tend to accept organic materials, like as I was mentioning, whether it's paper, paper products, napkins, coffee filters, tea bags, things like this, right? Because they were all organic materials or have organic base to it. So, you know, there's different types of ways to compost on a commercial setting as well. And one of the old school ways that my ancestors did it was windrow. At that time, I don't think that's what it was called. It was just a heaping pile. A heaping pile literally was (laughs) hot as hell. Yeah, because if you're doing it right, it should be steamy pile. It should be steamy. And we just said it's 135 to 160 degrees temperature. Mm -hmm. I mean, if a human put their hand in the middle of it, they, they would get burned right wow. from a compost pile so it, it's a dangerous business <laughs> <laughs> but a windrow is elongated mound made from compostable materials that farmers you know they used to use to maybe barricade even animals to and from places or you know in and out of places right and so this is something that you may see in large facilities that have acreage and it does smell right it has this stench to it mm-hmm. uh, but, but you know but like we said last time that can mean money yeah when you know us in the business we smell uh the garbage and we take a big whiff and we say it smells like money to me so <laughs> you know we know that we're doing our job when we smell compost and and wind row piles okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one thing that i did look up was compost smell reduction if you are doing it at home if you're doing compost at home it doesn't have to smell right? Mm -hmm. So it could be that your green to brown balance is off, which means that woody fibrous to your food waste is off or too much moisture or aeration. There's so many reasons why it could smell and and it's fixable, right? Definitely. I'm glad that you brought that up because in a food scrap program, and this is another thing that food waste or organic material compresses itself, compacts itself uh, naturally, And so when we look in containers, whether it's a cart or a dumpster and how we collect the material to actually process the material, a lot of times that we may put material in there and it looks big, but then over a day or two, it shrinks. It also dehydrates itself, meaning that that's probably what we're smelling is that the gases or the smell of it getting dehydrated 
And, and so we can go into some of these where we could talk about some of these ways that we can implement composting and also some of the things that I've tested over time. That'd be great. Um, Let's hear it. So there's different types of dehydrators out there that help compost programs to minimize the actual volume. So there's a Gaia machine, there's dehydrator machines that you can put 96 gallons of food waste in or compostable material into a machine. And within 24 hours, you have a soil amendment. It is not actual compost. And so it's something that you mix with clean dirt. In our testing, because we test the soil amendment to see how much pH balance there is and to make sure that it's up to our standard and being able to repurpose it or resell it and also have those types of specs that go along with it, the chemical specs that we want to be able to share with our buyers. And what Mm -hmm. we have found is that at one point we were able to use the soil amendment and the ratio was that we could mix the soil amendment one to three. So one gallon of soil amendment to every three gallons of clean dirt. Well, after we did our test, we found out that this food was so salty that the diets of the American people here, we have the most saltiest diet that we could not mix it three to one. It that was, is insane. It, it was 10 to one. Uh, meet the specification, and I don't want to get into the woods about the specification, but it just goes to show how salty our food is and how sugary our food is. So if we were to That is so disgusting. The compost created from our food was so salty that we couldn't actually use it as dirt. (laughs) Like no plant would grow. (laughs) It wouldn't grow. It would not grow. That is so disgusting. And we had to basically dilute it. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) insane. That is absolutely insane. One thing that is prominent to me is that when you throw something in the compost, you know, it still requires a lot of processing that we should appreciate, right? It requires mixing and churning and moisture content and pH and temperature and, and the ratios have to be right. So let's, let's just take a moment to appreciate our compost facilities. Well, I have to throw in this really uh, off the wall way to preserve some of your food waste. Okay. Yeah. Some of us may have an air fryer and you can actually use air fryer to dehydrate fruit. So when we find that our fruit is starting to get old, go ahead, slice it up and put it in the air fryer and dehydrate it so you can extend the life of that. So it doesn't end up in a compost pile, in a salty compost pile. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) No, absolutely. And and going back to how we started the episode about food waste in general, Mm -hmm. you know, if we can avoid as much as we can avoid composting is even better because- correct. I've heard this over and over again. If food waste was a country, it would be the third largest emitter in the world. It's 8% of our global emissions is food waste. And that's from the energy to ship and process that trash and methane produced from the food waste. I actually think it's a little inhumane that Mm -hmm. we uh, Mm -hmm. have this much food waste Mm -hmm. and simultaneously we have people that are starving. Yes, it's it's atrocious. So we get to think about that. And it seems kind of arbitrary because it's not impacting everybody directly, meaning like I eat every day, so I don't know what it's like to starve. But just because you, you or I eat every day does not mean that that's the case for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so I I think about that. And I know maybe as parents, I remember you better eat your food because they're starving children and -and so-and-so in this country, right? And they're starving children in, in this country. 
And it seems so far away, but based on climate change, based on how we handle food waste now can really determine how our crops are in the future. And it just goes into how we collect other materials as well. I don't know about you, but I do not want to eat plastic. I don't Mm -hmm. want to eat microplastics. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in microplastics. So the better that we could do at saving our food and minimizing food waste and really segregating our food waste so we can have cleaner opportunities out of the landfill, the better for humanity and for our ability to breathe clean air. How does food waste impact the air I breathe? Well, it does directly because Mm -hmm. the more food waste that we generate as a society and the more that we do not handle this material appropriately, the more methane gas that's in the air, period. You said it so well. It is all connected. And how can it not be? We are all part of one big ecosystem. And it's just, I have to just emphasize that it does impact us. And so, you know, omitting as much food waste as possible, pull out those air fryers, pull out your dehydrators, (laughs) you know, do what you can to make what you have last. That's right. And you know what? I have a bunch of things about how to reduce food waste. You know, for me, it's look, list, and leave. You know, look in your fridge before you go to the grocery store. List out what you want, you know, like, so the three L's, list, look, and leave. FIFO, have you ever heard of this? This is like a manufacturing thing. So I learned this actually when I was working in a manufacturing site. It's called first in, first out, FIFO. And so this principle is applied whenever you go to the gas station or even a grocery store. And you know how they load the milk from the back? Mm -hmm. That's because the older stuff will be picked up by the customer first. I get it. So first in, first out. You want to get rid of the older stuff first. And that's how you should organize your fridge. When you come home with your new stuff, pull all of the old stuff to the front and then put your new groceries in the back. And you can even have like your own bin. I know people who have a bin in their fridge that says like, eat this first. And you just throw the stuff that's about to go bad in there. So there's a few ideas. I love those ideas. Those are great ideas. They're really something that we can all do that's listening to us right now that they can do to add or take away any guilt that you may be feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. And we're not about perfection. We just want people to be informed. I do have to mention this as somebody who loves to go outdoors and loves to hike and to backpack, please don't throw your food waste on the ground in the woods outside. So I know that we're talking about these horrible effects of food in the landfill with anaerobic and we're talking about, okay, well, compost still takes energy and it still has an impact, but please don't litter. No litter is good litter. And also there are so many, I'm just going to go on a soapbox really quickly about this, that if we start to throw food on the ground, an animal could eat it, they could become dependent on it. It changes their biology and their microorganisms in their gut by eating things they're not used to. They could get hit by a car if it's near the side of the road. And also food takes a lot longer to break down than you think, right? So it could be sitting on the side of the trail for weeks, months, And nobody wants to see that. You know, you're ruining this beautiful landscape. Oakley, we started what the temperature is at the middle of a compost pile. So it's 135 degrees. Our global temperature is not that. (laughs) So the thought process, let's connect this, that somebody that thinks, oh, this is organic. I'm going to throw my orange. Don't panic. It's organic. Right. It's yeah. It's going to compost. 
Yeah, you're right. It will compost over a certain duration of time in a certain temperature in the correct setting. Mm-hmm. You said it perfectly, perfectly. So yes, that apple that you threw on the side of the trail is going to take way longer to decompose mm-hmm. and it's not good for the animal that may eat it. So there we are. I said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's no, better to haul out your litter. Leave no we, You and I both feel in agreement that litter bugs get cut. <laughs> yeah, they do. If I'm dating They're anybody cut. who litters, it's over. Over immediately. Like they don't even get a chance. You see it and it's done. Okay. You know, I was going to talk to some of my friends and I will insert their voices into here about how they compost at home. Oh, okay. So I have a friend in the Netherlands, Julia, who does vermicompost, which is worm composting. Yeah. I think vermicomposting is really cool. I think that's a really cool way to introduce composting to children at the elementary level. And then from scaling up to uh, junior high to high school, I think they would be more interested in the uh, anaerobic process and the technical aspects. Mm. And this is how we can get our students to understand science and technology, engineering and math, and how this is integrated in the waste industry and how steam is integrated in the waste industry through processes like this. So I think that's awesome. And any way that we can implement composting, I'm for. Love it. Anything else that you want to say about compost, Sarah? I would just say one more thing about landscape material, such as grass clippings, branches, tree clippings, old flowers, old vegetation. That is a stream in itself, and it is something that can be utilized in composting but it's a different way that we would process it. It actually gets shredded and used for mulch. And so, you know, a lot of times we think that, oh, it was, yeah, I did say that compost can be anything organic. So we can use it in an organic stream, but we want it with like items, kind of to the conversation of single stream and versus source separation, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, just keep in mind that Organic material, such as your landscape material, can be properly handled and will be, uh, depending on where you live and the infrastructure there. I think I've heard of it as yard trimmings, right? And that, yes. that stream. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. All right. All right. So I'm here with my friend, Julia. We've been friends since, what, North Carolina? What is that? Three years ago? So who are you, Julia? Uh, I'm Julia. I'm a friend of yours, Oakley. Well, what can I say? I study biology, now I work in consulting, and I'm a warm compost owner. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Okay, so tell me the story of your warm compost. How did you get started? All right, so it was something I'd been thinking about a little bit already. For like a few months or a few years, I I was thinking it's a cool cool thing to have. I really like the process, you know, one thing to say is the, the warm compost, you only put like vegetable type trash in it. Right. But seeing the process of that, you know, turning slowly into uh, soil, kind of like those um, time-lapse videos, you know. Of, That's like, so cool. Water. So that was something I thought was interesting, looking at it from a biology perspective. And then more functionally, I mean, it might se- make sense to me to do that instead of buying soil from the garden store every time. Um, and then the one thing that I also noticed is I-, I live alone. And so very often I would every week have to get my trash down because it started to smell because of all the organic stuff mm-hmm. but it was not nearly full so I would just like bring down almost empty bags uh, oh, when gotcha. really the only problem was the smell so I was like you know if I can put the stuff that's going to smell in the compost and then uh, get rid of that problem then I also don't need to 
go through my trash or like take it down and go through the trash bags as fast. That, that makes so much sense. And you should mention where you live. So you live in an apartment in Amsterdam, right? Yes, correct. I live in an apartment in Amsterdam and I do have a little balcony, but the worms are actually inside in my living room. So <laughs> because it didn't fit on the on the balcony. Like I can't open the door otherwise. Right. And plus, don't they die in cold or don't you have to keep them no, in certain climate? They, they, they would be fine. Yeah. I mean, if it's really like freezing 30, 40 degrees Celsius below zero, then other than that, they're fine. I haven't tried, but they might be a little slower when it's colder than <laughs> when it's like as in it composts less fast. But yeah, they've been here at 20 C um, okay. for, the, for the last six, seven months. Do, are they able to eat all of the food waste that you throw in there? Yeah. So the size of the bin that you buy depends on the size of your household, right? So the, there is like just the part of the volume, but they keep up and they actually will reproduce more or less depending on how much food there is. And I've actually noticed at some point I, I started having a little bit more escapees than I used to. And, uh, <laughs> that's probably, I think, because I didn't feed them in a while. Like I hadn't been cooking a lot. At that point there, there was a little bit of a shortage and they started looking food elsewhere. That but is I started so funny. And, uh, and I haven't had any escapees <laughs> since. So I think, you know, I've definitely noticed at some point a lot of eggs in there. They were, you know, apparently I was feeding enough that they would grow the population. So yeah, so they usually that's keep so up with it. Does yeah. it smell? No. So it smells, or I mean, it, it doesn't stink. It smells like... Uh, you know, wet ground. If you walk through the forest, like that kind of smell, you know, you have to open the lid and really put your nose in it. It's not like I smell. <laughs> okay. Room, right? okay. So if it smells, you're doing something wrong, probably. Yeah. If it smells, then then you have a massive die off or something like that. Okay. Yeah, or something's okay. rotting, like something they didn't eat is rotting. But I haven't had that issue. So so far so good. What can't you put in there? Basically, no animal protein. So no meat, no fish, no uh, cheese, or no bones, like that kind of thing. And no bones, exactly. And so there are other things that are not recommended. I've seen people on, on YouTube and stuff put them in. So I think it depends a little bit on how established your compost is and how much they will take. But they don't recommend putting in anything that's like sharp. So like chili peppers, onions, garlic, that kind of stuff. But I've seen people put it in there. So, you know, at some point, I think if it's a small portion of the volume that you put in there, it doesn't really matter. Then another thing that you have to be careful with is like thick peels. So banana peels, orange peels, that kind of stuff when they're not organic because they hold a lot of uh, pesticides. Oh, that's organic. interesting. Right. I didn't think about that. You can kill your worms, maybe. How did you get started? Ordered online. <laughs> so <laughs> literally uh, ordered a starter kit online. So you, I mean, you can buy it separately, but a starter kit, you just get the whole tower with several compartments that you can fill up and then add on as you fill the, the lower ones. It's like a beehive, like a bee. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, basically. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And it comes with a bag of worms. That's so cool. Your little starter yeah. kit. Yeah, 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 that's it. And I mean, you know, I was worried that the post office would go bad or something, but they're in like a little bag with enough like substrate for two weeks. Okay. Uh, and basically the company that I bought it from was like, just don't tell people that what's in there because sometimes they freak out. <laughs> like that, don't yeah. tell people that you're buying worms. <laughs> well, when you pick it up, if, if someone asks, you know, and you say, oh, there are live worms in there, often they will freak out. <laughs> so like an that. underground but, deal, but you're composting, exactly. like you're doing something exactly. amazing for the planet. And it's like, hey, don't tell people we're selling your worms. <laughs> well, I mean, they're like, you know, the worm compost is one thing, but like the live animals is like, sure. okay, okay. That's fair. Uh, and the one thing they say is like, you know, it, it's basically never really too cold, but when it gets too hot, they just pause shipping. So if it really gets like you have a heat wave, they just tell you we'll ship it next week or something like that to avoid right. the, the issues with that. Cool. Okay. See Thank it? you so much. Yes. Definitely. Want to see it. We won't be able to see it on the podcast, but maybe I can describe it. Okay, oh, it's so cute. It's actually like really aesthetically good looking. It's this green like container that kind of looks like a decoration, honestly. 
Yeah, so there is another model where you have like here, it's higher and you can plant flowers and stuff. Oh. And then they have another one, but that's really for outside where you have like holes on the sides to put plants. And so the plants feed directly in the compost. So I'll open it. Cool. It looks like the woods. It looks like forest. You put in newspaper and little... You put Yeah, paper. so you put in cardboard to balance the... Um, so cardboard is more like carbon rich and, and usually the plant stuff is nitrogen rich. So you have to balance it out and also to absorb humidity. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, they don't crawl around on the top usually. So they're like somewhere underneath. Uh, How much so soil the, do you uh, get? Uh, well, like a seed full, basically. And so the lowest one is about three, four months old. So that one should be... Pretty good. I mean, I'm not going to open it because with one hand, it's really hard <laughs> with the laptop. Right. Oh, yeah, that's then, really so you, you cool. Take the, the lowest one, you take it out, you like take the soil and then you put it empty on top and you continue doing that. Oh, wow. You know what? I have not seen this design before. I know people can just buy big bins and do it in big bins, but I love this design. It makes it way easier. Definitely. I mean, I've seen a lot of like do it yourself with like plastic bins and like drill holes. And I was like, yeah, that's too involved. Yeah, no, exactly. That's what I was imagining. So this is way better. What's the company called? Uh, well, it's a Dutch company. So I don't think they would ship, but it's yeah. called Bakunton. I will. Um, there actually, there is a company I'm sure in the US that has something similar because when I Googled it, I didn't know the word in Dutch. Is it a lot of work? No, it's basically just putting in my stuff, my scraps. And I I mean, I've never had like, uh, you know, bad episode or something like a massive die-off or something rotting inside uh, but I guess when that happens it can be a little annoying <laughs> maybe a little traumatizing <laughs> well thanks for answering my questions yeah no worries thanks for joining us today have any questions or comments for us have a question about what the hell to do with something join our community and our Facebook group what the hell do I do with this community if you're a business that wants to save money and reduce trash Smart Waste USA connects businesses and citizens to smarter waste solutions. Go to smartwasteusa.com. We'd like to thank our editor, Magden Geip, and Danny Finkelstein and Harley Stewart at Fight Night Records for our intro music. See you next time.